What's up, guys? Welcome back to another daily Bible reading snapshot. Today, we're looking at Genesis 38, 39, and 40 here in the Old Testament. Then we're looking at the end of Matthew 12 in the New Testament. So here in Genesis 38, we see a bad story of Judah. Now, Judah is one of those important brothers of Joseph who is going to be one of the key men who will establish this nation of Israel. But he, it says, does a lot of evil things. And one of the evil things he does is he commits sexual immorality with this person that he doesn't even know. He, he actually knows this person, but he doesn't even know it at the time. And the problem is he doesn't even identify his own sin. But when he finds out that this person was in sin, he calls them out. And that's the problem that we see here at the end of this chapter is that he doesn't recognize his own sin, but then he sees it in someone else. And then when it's revealed that he was in sin too, then he says to this girl, Tamar, you are more righteous than I. And as a result of this immorality, we got two sons that come about, Perez and Zerah. And they're going to be the key men who are going to rise up after Judah from the tribe of Judah, that a lot of these people who are in the land, the tribe of Judah will come from these guys right here. So, bad picture, but then we see a different picture of how a different son of Jacob deals with sexual temptation, and we see it here in chapter 39, where Joseph, he's tempted in a similar way, and in fact, I think Joseph is even tempted in a greater way than Judah was, but he says no. It's a story where Joseph is being pursued by his boss's wife. His boss's wife wants this relationship with Joseph, and Joseph says, no, I'm not going to do this. And it came to the point where she kept pursuing them to one time she grabbed his jacket and he had to run out of the house and leaves the jacket behind, just runs out of the house because all he knows is I can't do this because I know I can't displease God. I can't upset this this boss of mine. Like, I'm not going to do it. I don't care how I'm being tempted. I'm going to run away. And that's what he does. He runs away. But the problem is Potiphar's wife She's not too happy about this. Obviously, it's embarrassing for her. So she makes up a story that Joseph was the one who was pursuing her for a relationship, and then Joseph gets thrown in prison. That brings us to chapter 40. And here in chapter 40, we see Joseph in prison, which is so interesting. Whatever Joseph does, because he's following God and obeying God, whatever he does, it's like things go well for Joseph. It says he's in jail, um, he's in prison, but he's given a lot of responsibility. It says he interacts with two important people. There's uh, a time where Joseph, or, or not Joseph, Pharaoh arrested two different people. One was a cupbearer and one was a baker. So how are they related? Well, we've got a cupbearer and a baker. Pharaoh gets mad at them. That means probably someone tried to poison Pharaoh. So he's thinking it's either the baker or the cupbearer, and they both have dreams, and they give their dreams to Joseph, and Joseph interprets it and basically says, hey, the chief baker, um, he is going to have a dream that's not going to be favorable, but the cupbearer, he has a dream that is favorable, and the cupbearer gets his interpretation first, so the chief baker's like, hey, I want to know what my dream means, and the point is that Pharaoh, after three days, is going to bring these guys both out of prison and he's going to execute one, the baker, for poisoning him, we assume. And then the chief cupbearer is going to be restored to his position. And Joseph said, remember me, remember me when you get out of prison because I was unjustly put in here. And it says he did not remember Joseph. So sadly, Joseph is going to stay in prison for longer, but not for long because in chapter 41, two whole years later, we're going to see Joseph get out of prison. But we'll talk about that tomorrow. But I think it's so interesting that you have two men, Judah and Joseph, who respond to their temptation completely differently. And as you think about your temptation, whatever temptation it is, I want you to think, which man do I respond more like? 
Do I respond like Judah, who just gives in to whatever he feels like? Or do I respond like Joseph, who runs away from temptation? That's the model that we need to follow, running away from temptation, no matter what it is. So here in chapter 12 of Matthew, that's what we're looking at here in the New Testament, Matthew 12, we said that we saw these controversies over the Sabbath in chapter 12. Now, at the end of chapter 12, we're going to see more poignant or more more specific accusations against Jesus. So one of them is that these people believe that Jesus only has the power to heal people and have power over demons because Jesus works for Satan. That's the accusation. Jesus says, not only does that not make sense, but you guys, if you're going to continue to attribute these works of God to Satan, look, you're not going to be forgiven. If you constantly are going in your sin, you're not going to be forgiven. That's why he says something interesting here. A lot of people have questions about this. He says, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. And when one speaks a word against the son of man, he'll be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. That's verse 31 and 32 here, Matthew 12. Now, a lot of people have questions about that. What does that mean? Well, the most common, and I think the the best way that we can understand this is that Jesus is talking about a specific sin at a specific time that was taking place here where we have them attributing the works of God to Satan. So the works that the Spirit were doing through Jesus are being blasphemed by these people who are saying Satan did those. Okay, can you commit that sin today? Well, not in the same way as you could at this time, but could you do something similar by choosing to disbelieve God and constantly disbelieving and and attributing God's work to someone else? At the end of your life, yeah, you're not going to be forgiven if that's what you're doing for your whole life. If you never turn to God and recognize the power of Jesus and the power of the Spirit to even do these miracles, if you're always denying them and telling people that it's not true like these people were, well, then I guess you're not going to be forgiven because you'll never turn to Jesus. You'll never be forgiven of your sins. You'll never put your faith in him if you don't do that. So there's something like it could happen today, but I don't think that you could commit this exact type of sin that he's talking about here. But certainly something like it could still happen if you choose to reject Jesus and go your own way and to live in sin, then the Bible says you won't be forgiven unless you turn to Christ. So that's here in the middle of the chapter. Then Jesus makes it clear, every tree is known by its fruit. And what that means is he goes on to explain, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can't claim that you have a good and pure heart while your words are the opposite, are nasty, are immoral. You can't claim that. A lot of people like to claim, oh yeah, I love God. I've got a pure heart, all that stuff. Oh, but my words, oh yeah, they're bad. But like, that doesn't make a difference. Jesus says it makes a huge difference. It's a window into your heart, so to speak. Then he says to these people who have bad hearts, he says, you guys always want miracles and signs. I've given you plenty of those. The next one that I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. I'm going to be in the the belly of the fish, so to speak, for three days, and then I'm going to come out. He's talking about his resurrection here. He's saying that's going to be the next sign that's going to prove to the world, yeah, that, that Jesus really is who he says he is. And then he says another thing about demons, verse 43 to 45, is this weird little story about how um, he says if someone's oppressed by demons and then the demons go away, oftentimes what will happen is it will come back and it will be worse for that person because... The picture is like the house is all cleaned up. The demons aren't there, but you're not filled with the spirit of God. Well, then you're going to be defenseless when that attack comes in the next time. I think that's what he's getting at here. So then he says in verse 46 to 50, 
weird little scene here where the mother's the mother and the brothers of Jesus are standing outside and they want to talk to Jesus. So Mary and then people like James and, and Jude and all these brothers are standing outside wanting to talk to Jesus. It's reported to Jesus and Jesus asks a question. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Now you could say, well, James is your brother and Jude is your brother and well, Mary's your mom. So what kind of a question is that? But Jesus answers his own question. He stretched out his hands towards disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He's saying, whoever's following God, that's the people that I'm identified with. Not even my own family here. Because at the time, remember, his family was not really embracing Jesus for the savior that he was. They weren't getting it yet. Later on, the Bible says they do understand it, but right now they don't. And Jesus says, my family is the people who do the will of God. I hope that you have the same perspective and hopefully you can find some comfort in that verse, which basically says that we are the family of God. If we're doing the will of God, right, that's one of the many proofs, just like the tree and the fruits and stuff that are talked about earlier. If we're doing the works of God, well, that's another proof that we are a part of the family of God. That's an amazing truth that we have that identity and that brotherhood with other people really through Jesus. So that's what he's saying. And I think that's something we need to have uh, a lot of joy in today, remembering that we're a part of an important family, the family of God, because of what Jesus has done for us. So thanks for reading. We'll see you back tomorrow for another daily Bible reading snapshot.